0: Well, hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast. What's up, what's up y'all? Hey,
1: everybody!
0: It's Merry Christmas season. That's right.
1: <laughs> that's good. That's good.
0: That's, that's a first time intro like that. That's good. <laughs> that's right. But you're uh, you're listening to this a couple days before Christmas. So welcome. Welcome. Hope you're enjoying the season. Want to mention right up at the front again, we've been thanking Impact 360, and we played a clip for you last week. If you've heard uh, Jonathan Morrow talk about the Exploring Truth course, we wanted to give you another sneak peek at their Exploring Truth course. So here's another clip. This is from Sean McDowell, who's actually been on the show before. That's right. This is him in the Exploring Truth course. Yeah, I find a lot of people will ask me what it's like to be in a post-Christian
2: culture. I don't think we live in a post-Christian culture. Number one, that assumes our culture used to be Christian. and I'm not sure that's ever fully the case, although it was influenced by Christian ideas. But second, I think our culture is better characterized as anti-Christian. I think in just the past few years, we've reached the point where it will actually cost people something to believe in and follow the Christian faith.
0: Again, we encourage you to check out those online courses, especially over the
2: holidays. Maybe you have some time with friends and family. That's right. You could go on and purchase that Christmas gift. That's right. Just, just slide them that old, that old digital <laughs> card. And no, it, it can be good, though, if you put in the free mind code in the coupon section, you know, you can uh, get it, one of those courses. I think it'll end up being about $25 because you get 20 mm. so it's like half off. So That's right, half off. Um, but it's a great thing. We just want to highly recommend go through it with your family. Nerve and I, have went. we're halfway through one of the courses. I think we might have done a couple of the courses. But uh, man, uh, they're really good, right? Would you? They're
1: great. I mean, if I had had that in my youth, it would have changed a lot of things. So it's such good training, such For good sure. teaching. So and yeah, as we're heading to the
2: it? yeah, as we're heading into the new year, we got you know a lot of churches do the twenty-one day fast. This would be a great opportunity to maybe Ooh, take one or two right. of those that's courses, true. and you know they typically the videos are anywhere from 10 to 15 maybe 20 minutes long sure, at the most yeah. mm. so you can watch the little video do the little quizzes they have taught through it as a family pray through it that's good. It's just a, it'd be a great way to bring in the new year
0: that's right so check it out impact360.org that's right well what we got today brother
2: well today we got kind of a part two but i'm not going to title it part two anymore because y'all jokers out there every time when you see a part two and part three you don't <laughs> click on it hey oh, so wow. now i'm gonna have to put that up. <laughs> We'll put that spin on to it, trick you, that marketing. You spin. That's right. There you go. Um, no, but um, you know, we t- so we we put out last week. We actually recorded two last week. I ended up putting one right. on the Patreon for for different reasons. But we, mm-hmm. the one we put on the regular uh, the regular episode list was we called it the well originally we titled it the <laughs> prognosis of the American Church. Right. But then I got to thinking, you know, we use that word, we kind of throw it around. And right. maybe in medical terms, like it, and yes. it kind of makes you think of diagnosis, right? It's mm-hmm. just like you're analyzing the disease or whatever, right? Well, and Prognosis
0: so, is the outlook,
2: right? So, but you know, but then I started thinking, you know, prog, like it's it's often has to do with like uh, forecasting, like telling right. the future, right? And so I was like, you know, what? I should probably look up that word. <laughs> And I looked it up, like I looked it up in the, you know, the modern diction- dictionary and it was, it was kind of like a forecast of a weather, right. like foretelling, like what's, you're looking at the, kind of analyzing the present and predicting some of the future. Right. So that's prognosticating, you know, yeah. so, but it also does, it can have a present element as well in the old uh, Noah Webster dictionary now from 1828 18, right. <laughs> uh, for medical purposes. But I thought, you know, just for clarification, it'd be better. So we changed it to diagnosis because right. I think we spent more time, uh, if I'm not mistaken, last week. I couldn't remember what we said because it was we talked too about long a lot of episodes. things. Yeah. But I was like, I think we spent more time analyzing the current status. Right. But now in this book, Vessels of Fire, Glory, he also gives uh, prognostication. Mm-hmm. Ah, so um, we could have went either way, but we decided to change it. And maybe we'll get into that uh, foretelling this right. week. But did, did you get the book yet? You I did it, get right? the
0: book. I got all the way through the introduction. Oh. A, <laughs> <laughs> Which is two pages no involved. small thing. I read though, Brother Perry Stone. No. Hey, come on. What thing, was that yeah, video man. we
2: watched for Perry <laughs> Terry Stone, we were on the trip where he was, uh, he was going, he, he, oh, was, he was checking his phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we was, oh ain't oh trying to God. mock, but this no, no, video. No. He was speaking in tongues oh, wow. in the
0: video. And while he was speaking in tongues, he started checking his phone. See. It did not look great.
2: Right. And what did he say? It? Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so anyway.
1: We're just going to. Up as and I think, multitasking. I think, <laughs> I think at
0: best he was like checking the prayer request coming oh, in. Maybe it was man. like one of those types things. Yeah. See, yeah. so it's, it's reasonable, but it did, it looked real funny on but the video. It, was,
2: it looked funny, and this yeah. this the sound, of course, they extended. I think yeah, the sound. I, mean, I think they did these jokers on that that daggone internet boy. They- <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's too much. Nothing anyways, safe. we ain't trying to mock Brother Perry, but he yeah. did write the intro. He did, but <laughs> bro, it's, it's actually a good...
0: It's a good... He spoke very highly. I mean, he yeah. felt like this uh, Mario Murillo nailed it. He, yeah. he really felt like Mario was a prophetic voice for now and that he's speaking about the church and accurate. <laughs> terms so yeah he had lots of great things to say
2: yeah man and, and a, a few people had noted that i was actually watching a message from him and i think it was in lakeland's heart of the father uh recently oh, really? yeah if i'm not mistaken anyways he he kind of runs in those circles um, interesting of folk and uh, now i did want you to read it with your with whitney yes because I'm asking, you know, I can't remember if it was the episode we put up or the Patreon one, but I was asking people, even our listeners, just going into the new year, we already talked about Impact 360. That's an awesome thing to do. But I also, I was recommending two books for right. going into 2020. And one right. of them was this Vessels of Fire Glory book, right. Matthew, uh, Mario Marilla. real short. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth reading a chapter a night with your family.
0: And they're short chapters. They're not. Yeah, long. yeah, short chapters.
1: It's only almost 150 pages, so it's um.
2: Yeah, and it's not like it's it, an easy read. It's an easy read, but it's dense. Very dense. like power packed. You know, yeah. nuggets that are going to be challenging. Like I, I really, I I I couldn't put it down. Ner- for Nervous, she's like she likes to chew on it, and like, yeah, so right. she's been. What, a couple of weeks you've been kind of working right. Through it? Right. I
1: can only do like two chapters a day because there's so much in each chapter. I just need to process and really, really kind of mm. treasure it in my right. heart. Right. Yeah, there she's treasuring. <laughs> and for me,
2: I, I think I read it in a day and a half just because yeah. I was like oh, gosh. sopping yeah, it up. Time. But then I'm actually going to go, I'm going back and reading it now slower yeah. because I think it is is worth doing that. But if you take a chapter a night and do it with your family, I think it'd be beneficial. The other one was uh, Michael Brown's book on uh, Jezebel's okay, War yeah, in that America. That's good too. Right. And the reason I wanted, you know, wanted to encourage people to read that because going back to that first message again, the the crossing at the beginning of the year about waking up and being aware, understanding the time, sons of Issachar, you know, that's that kind of prophetic element that we need, that God's eye view, because you know, if you just see even what's going on today on the news circuit, it can be so yeah. difficult to discern. Uh, who's right, man? There's so many complicated arguments often, and right. not not that we shouldn't take the time to work through those because I think it's a both end. But but I want to be aware of the prophetic voice and ha- always have my ear mm. to the pavement. So I was actually listening to another guy today, and he was talking. He was referencing uh, when Paul talked about the Greeks search for wisdom and mm. the Hebrews looked for a sign, and mm. you know, um, of course, Paul knew that there were. Greeks that were sign chasers and Hebrews that were, you know, very, very highly sophisticated uh, philosophically, he was using those in generalities. A term, you know, when you right. think of Greeks, you think one of the things that comes to your mind is Greek philosophy, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, right. all these, you know, they developed that in a very sophisticated manner. We think of the, the Jews, you know, it's this activity with God, this prophetic voice. And what this right. guy was noting was like, you see, of course, every human has both of those. It's a, it's a matter of emphasis, but you also see God using both of those in tandem and mm. Throughout the scripture in the book of Acts, you see signs going forth. But right. you also see him constantly reasoning either yeah. from the scriptures with the Jews or at Mars Hill, they're using their poets and you know, Paul's using their poets and appealing to kind of um common knowledge that they would right. share and even the unknown God statue that he points to. Right. Um, you see both of these things working together. And so that's really I th- it it gave me when I was listening to that today, I thought of what we're doing at Free Mind. You know, we mm. probably spend more time on the side of the wisdom. You know, yeah. trying to help people develop good theological, philosophical tools to be, first of all, for their own protection. Like it's a it's one aspect of putting on the armor yeah. of God. It's one aspect of doing spiritual warfare. But there's also um, that other aspect that we want to bring in from time to time. That's why we did that series on the the mountain profit. Right. That's kind of why we're touching on this here going into the new year, because I think you can get out of balance and you miss out on something if you only, you know, you only s- sit with one of these avenues. I think right. when you get them both. And it, again, it kind of connects to that, the three legs of that, the triangle we always talk about. Yeah. And so, again, that's why we're, um, you know, just jumping in. Because if if you're listening to, like, probably 70% of our stuff and you come to an episode like this, you might think, oh, this is out of character. Mm. But it's not because we're really what we're trying to make. We're trying to point people to holistic discipleship. You want to be people that are thoughtful, clear and careful. And even when you come to books like this that are, you know, published. You know, we'll we'll be talking about a book on one hand that's published at Oxford University Press and on the other hand, Charisma House, you know. Right. And, but but I remember uh, John Lennox, a brilliant mathematician, uh, one of the leading thinkers in the world yeah. really, but especially in the church, um at from Oxford University. He right. he was one of the first to say he learned most of what he learned about from God, his mentor, he said, who didn't even, I don't think, graduate high school. He mm. was a boxer who who almost could quote any chapter in the Bible. He could tell you a summary of what that chapter was about at a hand. Wow. And he said he was the one that taught John really the Bible. and wow. And he always encouraged people, don't be intellectual idolaters. Mm-hmm. And we could come back to this, uh, uh, which we will in a future date. Um, but you know, even Thomas Sowell, who's a you know intellectual giant, he's an economist, but he said some of the worst ideas in the world have come out of the academy. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, so we want we want to highlight scholarship, we want to appreciate it, but we don't want to put it above the other voices that God right. raises up. And sometimes these voices are quote-unquote, uncredentialed, uneducated. Right. Not that Mario is, because actually he's, you'll you'll hear in his voice, he's he's highly educated. He's a, mm. he's an avid reader. But I'm just saying sometimes you might be tempted to look at a book that's Charisma House Publisher and be like, oh, this is going to be mm. less truth in here and just kind of dismissive of it. We've all right. done that before, based mm. on the, even the pictures of a book. You know, you right. get the, the Chariots of Fire graphic on the front, and you're like, <laughs> uh... Um, but anyway, so, you know, just, just again, as we go into this today, um, thinking back about the conversation we had last week, I think we talked about the the crime of church growth without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, you raised a question, Stephen, um, that I said, hopefully we'll get to ask him if we do an interview, but you were saying, I don't know if you remember that question, if you want to.
0: Oh, yeah, it's basically, especially from the, the large church world. How to get someone to hear the gospel Mm. means they have to come into at least the walls of the church. And, you know, people who are hurting might naturally seek out the church, but those who may be more affluent, maybe have their careers, maybe are CEOs of companies, feel like they have no need for anything else, that they have no need that needs to be met. And so they have no intention or need to walk into the doors of a church. Right. So how do you reach those people?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, the more we were, we were talking through this this week, even my parents and uh, Nerva and I, and as I was rereading some of the elements, you know, I think, again, what he's, the distinction here, you know, because he'll kind of make fun of the skinny jeans, smoke, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, which is fair. <laughs> you know, but we all, fair we way. all been part of that before too. Like yeah. uh, Nerva occasionally makes me wear skinny jeans and uh, well, we will- Not some- <laughs> super
1: skinny though. <laughs> <laughs> Just fit it.
2: No, 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 for sure.
1: Not super skinny. Not for sure. For sure.
2: But and we yeah. we will have smoke and big screen. And what's funny is I, I watched not funny, but it'll highlight what I'm trying to say here. But I watched a um message of him preaching at Bethel in Redding, California mm. this past week. And of course in that church, you know, they, they do the fog thing in the video very well what but the difference is what are you putting your weight on and emphasis and that you know sometimes he's kind of tilting into the wind to make a point and exaggerating to be funny and but i don't i i think if he walked into a spirit-filled church and they happen to be wearing skinny jeans and had fog machines and big screens but it was the the emphasis was the gospel and the Holy Spirit. Right. He would be like, "Oh, that's awesome." Right, but what right. he's talking about is this trend in our churches to think, to be willing. It's what this chapter is called: the crime of church growth without the Holy Spirit. Like, right. move out of the way, right. and we're going to do it through these methods. And mm-hmm. and I think oftentimes you do hear that kind of justification. Well, we've got to we've got to compete with the world. We got to do this. And if you have people here too long, it, it gets too weird, you know. Right. And then so in order to not make it too long and too weird. We, you know, push the Holy spirit out Well, that's the part. I think his criticism is pretty, Spot on, I think, and, and I know you agree yeah. with that, yeah. and you're bringing up that point because that is often the justification. But right. one of the things that he says in that chapter, he said, Church growth advocates love to talk about creating a wider on ramp for non Christians. Right now, that's something we've been in these meetings before together, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's always the ramp and the funnel. You know, you hear, but right. if you've right. done any church, like, how do we funnel? How do we, you know, right. ramp? And it's a good question, and it's not always easy to answer. But he said this, he said, in practice, it appears they mostly created an exit ramp for uncommitted Christians. In fact, the overall number of Americans claiming to be Christians has dropped. Did they just rearrange the furniture? Mm. Since they left the Holy Spirit behind, it was inevitable that carnality would take hold and take them further and further into carnality. Mm. I think that's pretty good. You know, you often see in these circumstances, it's like a revolving door. Mm. And you wonder, you know, if someone was really taking a analysis, you know, a statistical analysis right. of what's going on and they had kind of wide-ranging knowledge of how is this really working yep. it doesn't seem to be working really well and he goes down that list and says here's what's happening in our culture and here's what's happening in our church how well do you think it's working And this one i think you'll relate to as well he said "Will will you allow america to go down in flames while you live in a bubble of false victory sometimes the false victory mm-hmm. in these churches is well we got numbers we got the three right. b's butts bucks and baptisms right. you know? mm-hmm. people yeah. people in the seats money and we got them, you know, dunked. Right. We interpret that as kind of, even though we say we don't, we interpret it as a one-to-one correlation with success. Right. But he said, not only is this a false victory, but a draining one at that. The mm. vigorous and unending work generated by a human-fueled attraction Oof. church. That's the key. Human-fueled mm. attraction church wow. never ends. That, the work generated by that never ends. It burns up staff. It exhausts morale with no end in sight. Moreover, this is an important one, the audience gets worse from hmm. the constant pampering. Their appetite increases even as their commitment decreases. Jeez.
0: Mm. Well,
2: and I'll ask well. you, brothers <laughs> and sisters.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause yeah. we've been a
2: lot of we've been in a lot of these yeah. churches. I you know, it rings true from experience sure. for sure. Um you know, he, he goes on, he says, the result has been catastrophic. Believers could not stand against the tide of immorality, and they had no convictions or discernment. In this case, he says, to see the need to vote or even had a vote. And he's talking about America and its place in the world. Ooh, mm. And he said, again, there's nothing wrong with a big church, one that's got big for the right reasons and by the right power. Mm. Right. That's th- that, again, is the missing Peace, Right.
0: And it's also very difficult to evaluate how a big church got that way from the outside. You know what I mean? I mean, you can step into service too. And even then like a single weekend service might not describe or give you an idea of what's going on there. Right.
2: Yeah. It can be difficult from the outside. I think, you know, if you were just to come in and, and try to give an analysis from that, sometimes it might be clearer than others, but in most cases there's going to be ambiguity. But I do think um, just in, our experience from traveling around it and seeing the trends from kind of knowing people on the insides of these various right. churches, you know, you word of mouth, you talk to people in staff. and so we've right. worked with people who place people on, st- you know, they're just very involved in yes. the mega church world. It's a pretty, seems like a pretty apt um, discernment <laughs> in this case. Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: You know what too, just dropped in my, my thoughts is, you know, that person you're speaking of that wouldn't, step foot in the church because life is quote unquote good for them hopefully the church would make it to them like maybe a co-worker or a friend that is a christ believer and is a real disciple could you know and that's the thing the mega church is like it attracts people that might come to just be entertained or just come and they just get their fill and they go back out and then every weekend they get their fill but do they really have that deep down fire to go and spread the gospel and the good news and um the desire to the fight, you know yeah. all that, and so it's like we we think that the church is just a building on Sunday morning, but truly the church is the body outside yeah. of the walls as well, so but it goes back to what are we producing? what is the fruit of those yeah. lives that that do attend that church and are, and are they making disciples? You
2: know. Yeah, and often the just and you know this too. Like part of the yeah. justification then becomes, well, you know, Sunday morning is not the place to do it, but we'll get them in life groups and it'll sure. happen there. Sure. Problem is, we keep everybody keeps saying it'll happen over there, <laughs>
0: <True>. <laughs> and we pass yes. it on, and it never right. happens. Right. Yeah. Like, um You see people like commenting on Facebook who you know go to church all the time, yeah. maybe even go to a large church, mm-hmm. but the beliefs that they're espousing or what Ooh. they're defending it's pretty contrary to historic Christianity. Right. And it's like, okay, well then whatever church they're going to, either they are not listening or that church is not teaching. Yep. And it's gotta be one or the other. Yep. <laughs> and they could very well be in the life groups of that church in the small groups. And it's yep. still that they're not receiving historic Christian teaching. Mm. You know, right. And, and I'm
2: in nerve. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say it can, cause you've actually seen it happen. Oh, well, yeah. but what I will say to sure. that, you're right. But I do think when in those churches that I've seen that where it does happen, those mm-hmm. are the exception to the rule yeah. rather than yeah. the rule. Yeah. And you're right. You've been in small groups that you have told me about where it was
1: Life changing.
2: Yeah. But it was decided it was come in and armor up. It wasn't come in and it was have a donut and tell me how you feel about And um, talk
1: about our hobbies and grudges and and all that. It was it was word study and every week we just dug into the scriptures, prayed and just it was real life on life as well as just studying the scriptures here's what the bible says about
0: this and that and that and all that so it was great that's a push and pull of small groups Mm -hmm. where some churches might not want to arrange it where there is a another teacher within a life group sure but if you want those life groups to be teaching in-depth discipleship i think by nature it has to have someone who is a teacher Ab- that has Absolutely. that ability and knowledge. And right. so it becomes that teacher, small congregation kind of right. feel. So I don't know how you can, you know, if discipleship happens in life groups, how can that be when someone is all of equal spiritual level and that level is not deep? Right.
1: Clarifying, you said that pastors or they wouldn't have teachers in the small groups? Like
0: some, because if you have a hundred life groups yeah. and those hundred life groups have a life group leader who is basically uh. teaching Seven, eight to ten people okay. now you have a bunch of like many pastors with many churches, and that feels divisive, but the other hand of that wow. is if you don't have good teachers, then like what well, said you said a second ago, you just have people coming to say what they feel about a scripture like, if, that, if, yeah. if, if there's <laughs> a scripture involved <laughs> and like like Wendy and I had actually sat some in some groups, and we hear what's being said by these people, and like we know this is not good doctrine yeah but the leader is not doesn't have the ability to correct it in the moment maybe feels ill-equipped and so it's just kind of spoken in the air and everyone's just kind of like huh okay and then you move on and it's not addressed and i feel like that could be a dangerous position to be in, right because now there's like rogue doctrines (laughs) yeah because people that's how they feel right
2: and and that i mean that does so that raises the challenge of either you've got to raise up equipped leaders right for these life groups or you've got to do it on Sunday but there's right. but what often right. happens is because that's not our goal discipleship is not our goal right. neither neither one happens because okay. it's just not an right. it's not an emphasis cuz I was thinking
0: even if you get like at best let's say you're taking William Lane Craig's you know Defenders podcast and you're watching it in your small group right inevitably when that video ends people are going to have questions or they're going to sure. want to interact with it And if you have everyone that is a novice to this information, you're not going to get good teaching. Right. Because they're just saying, like what you said, what they feel. Right. And so even if you have great resources to share with a small group, I still, again, this is just me personally, I still think you need to have someone with the knowledge to teach Right. In that moment.
2: Well, and again, that's where the the hierarchy or that, you know, there's got to be a discipleship thing where these leaders are under leaders, under leaders, you know, and that's what they had at the church. Nerva was a part of like it was a it was a leadership making machine. So they had they actually had people they were doing it in church and in life groups. Right. (laughs) But I do think if you catch this vision, what he's talking about it's not even going to be a thing like, man, we have to do this in church. Like you'll want to teach truth in church. You'll mm-hmm. want to see the spirit have his way in church. Like mm-hmm. nothing will get in the way of that. And that's right. part of what mm-hmm. I want people to catch this vision. I'm just going to read a couple more from sure. this next yeah. chapter, which is actually called, um, mm. the crime of not judging righteously. And as we're, as we're closing up the year here, this goes back to the, one of the original episodes we did, which was episode two and three, I believe maybe well, two where we talked about judging versus evaluating. Yes. And so he really talks, he he has a chapter on this. It's pretty, it's pretty fire. So he's just talking about how Yikes. the, that's a crime that we need to repent of, not wow. judging righteously. Well, and he talks about the exact verse. We talked about in Matthew, how it's taken out of context mm-hmm. and, uh, misused and, um, you know, he t- he says, many celebrity preachers claim this verse is directing us to speak life and never tell people they are wrong. And he goes through all right. the we- reasons that that is just a misunderstanding. But it plays into part of this not training up people. And he says, in the process of what we're now doing, uh, they have created monsters, self-absorbed believers who are ignorant of the Bible, disarmed from combat, and useless in the crusade to bring America back to God. <laughs> Yikes! So he's uh, wow. covered in sugar there, but... <laughs> <laughs> if you look in the tagline of our podcast, that's, you know, one of the things we're presupposing is we live in a biblically illiterate culture. Right. And unfortunately that doesn't um exclude many of our churches. And that's mm. what he's saying because we've adopted this kind of life without the spirit, life without truth. Right. We're creating these people that are self-absorbed believers ignoring the Bible, disarmed for combat, useless in the crusade to bring America back to God. And then he actually quotes um William Lane Craig talking about a theologian that Nerva has read a couple's book named uh, David Wells. He often does Mm. stuff with Oz Guinness. And so this is all going to connect in a minute, but he said, uh, Craig said church historian and theologian, David Wells had called our contemporary generation of pastors, quote, the new disablers unquote, because they have abandoned traditional role of the pastor as a broker of truth to his congregation Mm. Mm. and replaced it with a new managerial model drawn from the professional world, which emphasizes leadership abilities, marketing, and administration. As a result, the church has produced a generation of Christians for whom theology is irrelevant and whose lives outside the church do not differ practically from those of atheists. Now, I wanted Nerva to pick, because we read this book. This is another one. So after you guys read these two books, (laughs) (laughs) and I want to hear your response. And and again, we read books critically, biblically, not that you have to agree with everything. But after you read those two books, I want you to pick up this book by Osgin. Guinness called Renaissance. It's actually my favorite book of his. Really? Yeah, man. It's it's so good. But he actually, so in one of his chapters, what's the title of the chapter? The Kingdom? The one I read. Yeah, yeah, the I one you were today. reading today. Uh, let's see, The Dynamics of the Kingdom. The Dynamics of the Kingdom. Mario is kind of given a overall prophetic view angle into this. Os Guinness is a sociologist and a Christian thinker. Uh, a Brit who was raised <laughs> in China by missionary parents who now lives in... Um, the u.s his great either like his great-great-grandfather or something like that was uh started the guinness brewery right exactly um, yeah it's that guinness yes yeah, that guinness but uh brilliant uh he was trained under francis schaefer i think he went to did his doctorate at Cambridge or one of those but anyways uh just really solid but also really has a good understanding of the times but he he talks about the same topic baby was there anything you wanted to point out from what he said in there so many good quotes but he talks about the difference between um how the how we in the church have adopted kind of this holy spirit list led marketing approach Mm -hmm. and he really man takes it takes it to task (laughs) so one, so in this book he's yeah just helping people to understand the difference between god's kingdom ways and the ways of this earth and he Mm. you know sometimes the analogy is used from um saint augustine's book city of god Mm. and he wrote that book kind of to show those two different, the city of man Mm. was the way we do things on the world post fall. You know, Mm. the city of God is the kingdom of God. That's how, so he's, he's going back and forth between these two. Also Dallas Willard has written on that, the divine conspiracy, which he almost titled, he said, the kingdom among us. Mm. Um, And just how God's kingdom, the the conspiracy is the hidden part. His, his kingdom is here and it's, it's often hidden, but it runs on different principles and we can't, to try to run on this the kind of the city of man principles and think we're going to get city of God results mm. and if you do, they're probably not the the results that we want they're right. going to be effective and fruitful
1: yeah, you know he just really emphasizes that the primary way that God leads him is by his spirit but more importantly through the scriptures and him really understanding the scriptures and studying Christian history and how God has worked in the past and how um, he talks about this thing. What's he called it? Like a, not a reversal, but like in basically that God's kingdom is that God's kingdom. And it, it starts with God and it's God leading it, not man's ways and how God's ways are so much higher. For instance, who, who would choose a, um, A stuttering man to lead people out of slavery who would choose like a young, humble servant girl to to birth the Messiah or things like that. But that um, the emphasis we put on things that we think will lead to success is not primarily how God moves or makes decisions, but that he just emphasizes really. Studying the word, the scriptures and trying to just really engage the spirit to be led of God. Mm. There's a way we can live life and um, truly hear from God in Revelation, not apart from his word, but in a way where Paul was on the ship and he knew, Okay, God said those that stay on this ship will make it and if you get off the ship so what kind of life is that that you can hear from god and get direction and know god's plans for something but um even as we we do church as we do our our own personal purposes in life our writing our art our life our marriage there's a way to live and and like he asked this question um who doesn't need god like why how do you do life and and just say you know this is, uh, you know, this earth and this world was just created. We can just do whatever we desire. He's
2: he's he's kind of putting juxtapositioning the. Uh Ideas that we often use these days, like if I get my, you know, my my five vision steps just right, and then my, right. you know, my how to plan, yeah. then you know, this is how we're going to take the city, which isn't isn't always bad. But he said he's refer- he's he's putting that up against like the Ethiopian eunuch, who you know, how I think yeah. it was Philip, who was you know, he's just right. led by the Spirit in that moment, in that very moment, to go to that guy, and, and that was how the gospel made its way to Africa, and mm-hmm. you know, right. and just these ideas of like we can't we can't neglect that, thinking these other things are going to be the tool right to really make to really emphasize that we have to hear we have to we have to be living lives where we are immersed in the scripture we understand church history we are um listening to the spirit and making that our primary activity as the church. And then if he gives the steps and all these stuff, kind of a secondary means by which he wants to do it fine, but he could do it with or without that. Those are never the main things. And when you make those the main things, I think you get into a position that we're in now where you have church growth without the Holy Spirit, where Mm -hmm. you have, you know, we can't judge anybody. We can't, don't make any fight feel bad. It's just got to be all Cater to consumers um, yeah. that are walking through our doors because we might, if we say it just right and do it just right, get them to raise their hand to the keyboard thing, get them plugged into the four week uh, class, yeah. get them serving, and then we got them, you know. But three B's, boom, good. <laughs> yeah. One of the things he talks about in this chapter is he's, you know, he references the story in Matthew 24 where Jesus is, uh, is 23 and 24 where he's saying not one stone will be left on top of each other in this temple. Basically the Jewish state is going to be conquered. And it, you know, rocked them. And they were like, man, they, they were looking for a a timetable. And like, you know, he was talking about the end of that age, potentially the end of the age overall, you know, the last days. And they're, they're um, asking him, they said, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples asked, came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age. Right. And it's interesting. He said, instead of giving them a date, he solemnly warns them of the greatest danger of the last days. Mm. And if you were just thinking of it here, this for the first time and you forgot about this verse, what would you think the greatest danger of the last days would be? Mm. I would probably initially think like, you know, Get your insurance policies right. Like find that house in the mountains that you can get away and yeah. make sure you have a self-sustaining water yeah. source and start energy. that farm. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Get the solar panel. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, or you know, just I, I don't know what I what I would expect, but this is interesting. He said what Jesus said must become the watchword for you in this chaotic time. Matthew twenty four four, he said. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Hmm. And then Morello asks, why is discernment at the top of Jesus' list of things to do to prepare for the last days? Wow. And uh, he said the answer is quite clear and and simple. The chief danger in the last days is being deceived. Mm. Satan has saved his best lies for this moment, a moment when he can deceive the army of God into abandoning the front lines.
0: Wow. Oh, my goodness.
2: Um, Well... He said, how silly to believe that the devil would confuse the secular world so as to call evil good and good evil, yet not try the same thing within the church. Mm. Hasn't the enemy tricked us into doing exactly what we should not be doing? We are reveling in doctrines of entitlement that make us flabby, indecisive, and easily offended in a time that calls for humility, service, discipline, and alertness. And and sorry, he said that this modern crime against the Holy Spirit has has us believing things that are of God or of the devil, and vice versa. Not judging righteously can mean you are refusing to see how God is working in your nation. Oh boy! Now he goes on to make some <laughs> specific claims. Oh, does it? Okay. <laughs> and I'll let the uh, I'll let the readers read on uh, listen, to that. Listen. Listen. You know, not because we're not because we're avoiding the issue of our president and the election, all that kind of stuff. I think one of the things we want to do next year, so you can be on the lookout for this. um, We want to lay out some kind of first principles of government from a theological perspective. We've done that a little bit this year, but next year I want to do that in in a more um, hopefully detailed, maybe even systematic way Mm -hmm. and talk about, man, how should we vote? What are these, what are the important issues? What are the policies that are at stake? All that kind of stuff. And we will, Try to do our best to present uh viewpoints from different sides while still arguing maybe for one side that we think right. is more persuasive, maybe we'll disagree on some things, but so we'll be coming back to that, but um you know he he's gonna take some pretty strong positions in this book with what he thinks is is God's mm-hmm. perspective on what's going on so right. I want to skip to this last. So there's, there's like five or six crimes against the Holy spirit that he's saying as a church in America, if we want to be part of this awakening for America, mm. we need to repent of these things and turn from it. Insofar so far as you do that, you'll be in the place where you can be part of this move of God. And so far as you don't, you won't, mm. you'll well, be on the side of it. It just won't be what God's doing. Right. And if you're content to have religion without God, fine, basically is the idea there's a lot to be said along these lines and, you know, for, for even Murillo, he, one of the things he, he, from his perspective, he thinks, uh, Trump is a, is something that God has given like the God's chaos candidate idea, you know, to knock is a wrecking ball to knock down these awful structures that have been raised up against God. And, Mm -hmm. um, that he's a, he's a crack, a foot in the door, what he calls to stay execution that, you know, under Mm -hmm. a Hillary Clinton presidency and, Administration, we would have seen basically the door shut, slammed shut on um, mm. religious freedoms on uh, the Supreme, two more liberal activists, Supreme mm-hmm. court justices mm-hmm. would have basically taken the country over the edge. You know, at that point it'd be over for, for what it had been. It would be a mm-hmm. new thing. Right. And that, you know, America being a firewall for many ways for Western civilization, for Christians all around the world would be impacted. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, while Trump is not the answer, he helped stay the execution. But what the real thing is, the church has to understand that we've just been given a reprieve from his perspective. But the real thing that's needed for long term impact is awakening. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea. I think of this book with vessels of fire and glory, like he's calling for his church Mm. to really have an awakening because Trump will come and go be somebody else. But the culture as a whole, we've seen it. It's, it's, it's getting past that tipping point where we're calling good, evil, evil, good to a place where it's like, man, without God, there's going to be no hope to reverse this thing in any measure. And I think that's, um, that's kind of where he's coming from on that. And again, we can, you can agree or disagree with that reading and we'll talk more about that in the upcoming year. But I do want to skip a little bit and touch on these last, like talks about the section three, embracing the godsend. And he said this, the Holy spirit is amassing an army. The first signs are frustration and agitation. Praying people will feel out of sorts. Hmm. And I think I've seen that like we we went to this church recently and kind of spontaneously we started singing. There's an army rising up from the break every chain. And and it just felt like one of those moments. I've been personally have been sensing that for a while that there's Mm. like God is calling, calling an army. It's not going to be, you know, sometimes Mario, you'll hear him in his, uh, in his, uh, messages you know he'll say the church has gotten sissified and that you know we need like yeah. we need people of strength and right. co- courage and I, and I know you preached on a was it Daniel recently yes. yeah and he references Daniel a lot like people that will stand with courage right. and I, and I do think he's right about that like we've tended to maybe overemphasize the softer virtues which are great and you right. need those as well But the lamb side of God, and he said that lion side needs to come through. It it is coming through now where people need to stand up and and be able to articulate what we believe, why we believe it, not dismiss people, not be bullying, but to stand firm like you're an army and you understand the war Mm -hmm. that you're involved in. And he said it begins with a renewed relationship with the Holy Spirit and a greater intimacy with Christ. So Mm. good. And I think that that's something I'm even praying for going into this new year. Yeah, man. And that's I so hope good. you know that's what one of the things I hope people would um would get from this book is to be stirred up, if nothing else. Like yeah. even if, like I said, if you disagree with some of his takes on things, but that you would be stirred up to pray to really get in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, take that 21 day fast and and just jump in, man. And um,
1: it's funny I was reading uh. I'm in Luke right now because I love to read Luke around Christmas time. But that, um, you know, you 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 hear the adjectives, you read the adjectives that describe some of the characters, like devout, devoted, mm. righteous, mm. and you know those words today sound so vintage and ancient <laughs> or whatever. But you know today, what is, what would it look like a life that's devout <laughs> and yeah. righteous before the Lord? And also that is it, Simeon who laid his eyes on baby Jesus and knew, okay. Now I, he says, I could rest in peace. I've seen right. the salvation. I've seen the Lord's in his, the Messiah. And to, to be able to just spot on, see that mm. that's a kind of life. So engaged in the knowledge of God that you, you know, his thoughts, you can mm. be led of him and you, you know, a stranger, it speaks, you wouldn't follow, you know, um, unsound doctrine when you hear it and you see you know a move of god when you see that as well so it's like you know in 2019 to be described as that but not to just be called that to just truly love god that much Mm. that you would walk that close with him right that you would love his word that much that you would engage in his presence that much and and it's in and encouragement because we really need it in these times. <laughs> we weren't created yeah, right. to live without God, but that, you know, if, if ever there was a need to armor up spiritually, these are the times for sure.
2: <laughs> no, I think that's good, babe. You know, I think he's reminding us One, a, a lot of the book talks about emptying of self mm-hmm. and emptying of your own personal Kingdom building goals. Ooh. And to get, get our eyes and our vision on what God is doing in that broader sense. And and thinking of yourself as a member of the Marines or the you know right. the Navy or something like where your purpose isn't your own individual purpose. Your purpose is what the what the commanders are doing in the war. Yeah. And then your assignment is what you do as an individual. Right. And he talks about that a lot in this book is like really praying and receiving your specific assignment and God's greater purpose on the earth right now, which requires of course, understanding what God's doing on the earth right now, yeah. with, hence the prof- need for the prophetic voice, you know, mm. and that's that's the big the big idea. But I just want to read a couple more quotes before we wrap this one up here. But uh, this is a guy named E. M. Bounds that he quotes, and he said, "The preacher must throw himself with all the abandon of a perfect self-emptying faith mm-hmm. and a self-consuming zeal into his work for the salvation of men. Hardy, heroic, compassionate, fearless martyrs must be the men." must the men be who take hold of and shape a generation Mm. for God. And then this last, um, this last little thing I want to read here just to encourage you. He said, understand this child of God, the same spirit that is awakening a passion and direction in you is doing it in millions more Mm. soon. An army will emerge that is entrenched in every area of our culture today. It is fire here and there, but soon As the prophetic core of God, obey and embrace their assignment and come together in a chorus of victory. It will be unlike anything we have ever seen. Wow. And that's his uh, prognostication. And Mm -hmm. that's what, you know, that's what, yeah, that's what we're praying for. You know, not a pessimistic escapism. I think that's one of the things that hopefully comes out of this. It's a, it's a careful and prophetic engagement with our culture, with the idea that as things get worse, they can also get better. And mm. like that Dickens quote, that was the best of times and the worst of times. Mm. And we can be part of that best of times if we're part of that awakening to see sure. God work in ways that many of us, at least in this generation, have never seen. Right. And we get to have a front row, not even a, I don't want to say front row C because that's a entertainment Spectator. kind of posture yeah. but we get to be on the front lines watching the yeah. army of god break through some right. enemy territories that we thought could never be broken right sure?
1: right big avengers fan that i am <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> i think of in game and how um lance wall now has this teaching on youtube of how god has an end game
2: yeah and so mm.
1: his plan we know what comes and but he will he's positioning us to be a part of that plan if we will, if we will take part in it, if we will make ourselves available. It's like he's going to do it through us, through his body, through his church. And yeah. and though, you know, um, a big portion or percentage of pastors are not on board with engaging with the times right now doesn't mean that it's not going to come to pass. You know, he's going to use the remnant. He's going to use those that, that want it and those that are um, – Understanding you like the sons of Issachar. They they knew the times. They could wage war. They could, okay, this is what we need to do and this is how we engage, and let's do this and this get this gate and that gate. But God's end game will not fail. He has already won the victory through his son Jesus Christ. And so the enemy's plan is to get as many people on his side as he can. And to um we gotta remember it's about souls. Mm-hmm. That's why he rejoices in the chaos when there's war, when millions or thousands get um, killed without hearing the gospel. You know, you, you've you got to remember that God's end game is victorious. Mm. And it doesn't it, it's not it's not going to be without um, sacrifice or yeah. it's not going to be easy because, you know, God is with us. It's going to be um, spiritual warfare.
2: Yep. It's
1: going to take courage. It's going to take his spirit. It's going to take wisdom. It's going to take sacrifice, all of those things. But um, it's exciting times, too. Uh, you know, you, you look back at history and you read all those wild, dramatic things that happened. <laughs> but people will be reading <laughs> our history, too, and say, yeah, man. whoa, you know. Mm. But, yep. but God, here we are. You That's know?
0: it. That's good. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody.
1: Merry Christmas. I'm joking. I'm playing. And (laughs) let me say this as you're going
2: into your Christmas uh, holiday here. Right. Um, and you wanna offload some of that money hey. before the new yes. year. Amen. Um, no, we could really uh you know, we will we will take that and we will use it wisely for Keenan purposes as we mm-hmm. go into next year, hopefully doing uh right. starting season two. That's right. At Free Mile, we wanna do more video stuff and yeah. we wanna try to get out the message um even more. We I think we are up to maybe eighty six thousand downloads this year yeah overall yeah, awesome. on the on the episode for the for the podcast so you guys have already helped us. many of you yes. accomplish that goal which is amazing never yeah. something at the beginning of the year we probably never would have Im- have imagined that we'd impact that many people but you know next year we're praying even even uh 30 60 even a hundred fold bro hey all right we'll go. have uh almost a almost a million so um yeah you know but but the money you know if you do want to give to us we could do it through patreon yep Patreon. Or you can just um, email us so we can connect you. You can become one of our partners directly. Right. We have some partners that you know su- supply financially for us monthly so we can continue to, yes. to do this and to, to continue to add even a more technical technology elements to it and and hopefully like i said expand the influence next year
1: and we also want to say thank you to every listener to everybody that's been with us on this journey since january i mean it's been awesome thank you to all the subscribers all of our um patron supporters no gift is too big or too small but anyone we're just grateful for but um it's been a good year the feedback has been great those of you who've written us from i mean south korea the uk canada the islands i mean hawaii we we thank you for listening and it means a lot that you would take the time to to um engage with us to every person that's ever written us asked us questions we this is why we started this this is why we um, started Free Mind to really engage culture but we couldn't have done it without you guys so a huge thank you to all of our listeners and supporters Mm -hmm. that's good
0: so you can check it out at patreon.com slash freemind.fm. You can support us there. You can email podcast at freemind.fm. If you want to give us feedback for the show, let us know your favorite episode or support the ministry that way. And again, we'd love for you to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at freemind.fm our Facebook page, Freemind Podcast FM. And if you have not yet, a five-star rating and comment in Apple Podcasts will help us be discovered by even more people looking for this content. We thank you so much for listening and subscribing, and we hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.
2: Presents
0: and cards are here. My world is filled with cheer and you.